Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Good evening. I wanted to talk tonight about opening to our experience. How to open to it, when to open to it, when not to open to it. But one way uh, I think of what we're doing here is learning more and more to open to the moment to ourselves, to life. And this goes against the grain of what most of us have uh, habitually learned over time and uh, instinctively um, respond when we're not uh, so clear or in touch with our wisdom or our Um, um, most uh, noble uh, values. We are um, very commonly, um, we contract in relationship to experience. If there's an unpleasant moment, physical, mental, emotional, um, that we don't like, we contract away from it. Understandably, we want to protect ourselves. We want to uh, feel safe. We don't want to experience what's unpleasant. If the moment happens to be a pleasant one, we usually contract around it. We usually uh, want to possess it, hold on to it, increase it in some way, bring it in and um, either hold it more or take ownership of it. And both of those responses are ones that lead to suffering. All the um, unwholesome states, akusala, states of suffering, Greed, hatred, delusion, fear, envy, judgment, wanting, you can, you know all those, right? Um, Those are all states of contraction. The body contracts, you can feel it in more tension. The mind contracts and gets either agitated or or closed and not seeing clearly. The the heart contracts. And all the states of well-being, kusala, all of the wholesome states, kindness, generosity, patience, as has been mentioned, um, compassion, um, all of those states, joy, are states of expansion. The mind opens, is relaxed or alive, 
the body opens to experience, the heart opens. So given that our typical response to pleasant or unpleasant is to contract either away from or around, what we're learning to do is the opposite, learning to open to the unpleasant little by little and um, seeing that we can be with it and we don't have to uh, give in to our fears or be run by them that we can learn from the difficult. And when it's a sweet, delicious moment, that we can open to it as well, not only in the moment, of course we want to generally open to it, yeah, bring it on, thank you, Um, but also not hold on to it, not grasp it, and just allow it to be experienced for its own lifespan, and then when it goes, to allow for that as well. Is that that Blake line, uh, to kiss the joy as it flies. <clears throat> so if you, if you think of what you're doing here as learning to open, um, you can simply actually Take the whole day and just notice what is your relationship to experience? Are you contracting in this moment, either away from or around? Are you relaxed and open and allowing and connected and uh, either finding the courage if it's a challenging moment or allowing for it to change whenever it naturally does? And this takes practice because we're so conditioned to, um, to have a different response. So I wanted to talk tonight about certain qualities that we're cultivating here um, just by being mindful and that we can also consciously uh, call on when we find ourselves um, tending to contract and just remembering, oh, this is a support for our practice as well. <clears throat> but keeping in mind that the principle is little by little learning to uh, open to and be with experience. However, and I'll get into this further on in the talk, um, there are times when it's not so skillful to just open to it all. And that's another aspect, that's another art of practice. Because if you are under the impression that I should just keep my heart open to everything as you're, um, as you're struggling or going overboard or feel that you're in over your head, uh, that's, that's not the whole picture, and it, and it can be uh, not as skillful as we think. So it's important to, to know just, or to sense for ourselves, not that there's a right formula, but to sense for ourselves how we can open skillfully and how we um, can, can sense when uh, another uh, response is called for. So the first 
quality that uh, you've touched on, and I know that uh, um, it was done in one of the Brahma Viharas, I'll just kind of name it here and explore it a little bit more, is um, the quality of forgiveness. That is um, a radical opening to our experience. Forgiving ourselves, forgiving if it's possible or available, forgiving others, forgiving life for not matching our hopes or expectations. And you have a chance to develop forgiveness really almost uh, every time that you sit. Anytime things don't go your way or your meditation isn't quite what you hope it would be, how do you respond? Is there frustration? Is there some kind of self-judgment? I'm not doing it good enough. If only I were a, a better yogi, this wouldn't be happening. And what forgiveness is, is one way to think of it is the antidote to the complaining mind. Do you know how complaining, it really usually doesn't get you anywhere. Um, I mean, it might if you're going to the, uh, what, the, serv the refund counter and, uh, and, and there's a guarantee and you get your money back. But when it's complaining to yourself, there's no refund that says, uh, oh yes, we're sorry this happened and now, uh, now everything will be okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Forgiveness is so powerful. It's so um, healing and it can be so challenging. And it starts in this practice with forgiving ourselves. You know, the, um, the tendency to want to do it right and want to be perfect is really strong in so many of us. Or you come here, you've carved out your, uh, your calendar and paid your money and gone through a lot of sacrifice. You, know, you want to have a good retreat. Get your money's worth, you know. Or at least see that you're an okay yogi. You know. And when you don't match your ideals, it's, it's hard, as probably m most of us have seen somewhere along the line. Really, um, this is about letting go of being perfect. I'm... I've seen this perfectionist streak in myself. If you happen to have those kinds of high standards for yourself. Um, and it occurred to me quite a while ago, one uh, amazing moment of, of clarity. The best I can do as a perfectionist is break even. If I do it perfect, Okay, that's the way I'm supposed to. And anything less, and I've blown it. This is merciless. 
how can we, how can we hope in any way to live up to per- perfection? I was sharing with, with somebody uh, here on the retreat, one of my favorite lines from the third Zen patriarch versus on the faith mind, the one that starts the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences, if you're familiar with that one. Where he says, um, to live in the highest realization, to live in this realization is to be without anxiety about non-perfection. That's when you know you've really made it to live without anxiety about non-perfection. What a relief to let go of being perfect and just know that doing the best you can is really all you can do. Can you do the better than the best you can? If you can, let me know. I haven't figured out. But to know I'm putting my whole heart into this. I remember the last time I was here, I was speaking, I talked about sincerity of heart. To just show up and have a wholehearted sincerity, that's enough. And you have this opportunity when you're sitting, starting with yourself. This is your laboratory. Another teaching from the Buddha that I love. He says, in this fathom-long body, the whole of the Dharma is revealed. Fathom-long, six feet, give or take a foot and a half standard deviation. Right? This is the laboratory that you've been given to understand what it means to be alive. In this fathom-long body, the whole of life is revealed. Suffering, the cause of suffering, the end of suffering, the path leading to the end of suffering. It's all here. So you see this, and the more you understand this one, the more you can uh, understand the human experience and all those around you. And so you sit down, and your body is hurting in some way or not cooperating, or gets a cold, or has a knee pain, or uh, has a, uh, an itch that won't go away, or whatever it is, how do you relate to your body? Do you get angry with it? Do you get frustrated with it? It might have a condition that's, that's very serious, more than just an itch on your nose. How do you relate to it? If you get angry or battle your body, it, it, won't be, it won't serve you in the same, it'll serve you as best it can, but it won't be receiving the healing and loving energy that optimizes whatever uh, is available to you. So that's one area that you can just take a look and see, how do I relate to this body that's, that's doing its best to serve me. And if you get angry at your shoulder or knee, uh, this is surely not going to create more space and healing. If you know anything about healing, uh, you, I'm sure you know that sending those areas love 
and support and appreciation is generally um, going to optimize the healing. So that's one way, forgiving your body and realizing it's doing the best it can. Forgiving your mind. How do you relate to it when your mind wanders? I hope by now you've started to get what a profound shift it is when instead of getting frustrated or annoyed that your mind is wandering, that you see it just does what it does. And the more you get angry at it, the more agitated and contracted it is. So can you forgive and appreciate your mind for just the habits that it's developed and realize that the more space you have, the more forgiveness you have, the less you take it personally, the, the more it relaxes and settles down. Making the mind your enemy or your thoughts an enemy is not the way to inner peace. It's just, it's nature. Just like the eyes see and the ears hear and the mind thinks. If you're looking at this form can you, and your eyes are working, can you not see this person? Can you turn off your, your sight? No, it just happens. That's what eyes do, they see. Can you stop hearing? No, if your ears are working, it just hears. And the same way that the mind, one of its functions is to think and create and make mental sense of this world in its own, um, in its own way. So to make thoughts the enemy or the mind the enemy is not really seeing it's, it's nature. That's what minds do. Can you forgive your mind for the wandering that it does or the habits that it gets caught in? And the same with the heart. You know, you can, you, it's heart and mind are really the same in, uh, in Pali, citta, as sometimes it's been said, heart-mind. Um, but from the thoughts and then there's the feelings and the emotions. How do you relate to those feelings, those emotions when they arise? Do you get frustrated that they get activated? Oh, here I am lonely again. You know, how pathetic. You know, here I am getting caught again. I can't believe I'm stuck in this anger. Then you've added the second arrow on top of the first. Or, oh, here's angry Buddha. Or here's lonely Buddha. Or here's sad Buddha. And it's just, again, part of the human experience. So forgiveness is really a key to this all. And just seeing these are just practiced habits this is one dimension of learning to open to our experience, to open to the mind, open to the body, open to the heart, open to this expression of life that people call me. 
they call themselves me, but they call you, you. Uh, you get the idea. And it's not like this, all of a sudden, this opening and I'll make it happen and I'll forgive myself. It's just seeing it clearly. Oh, how, how could I have missed it? It's just, it's nature. And when you see it, it's so obvious. And the fact is that we get lost again and again and again. Anytime there's a contraction, particularly around me, we've missed that point that it's just its nature. And any moment that you, f that you remember, ah, oh, I forgot, didn't I? And that's okay. Don't feel discouraged if you see that you've forgotten for the last two hours or two days. Instead of saying, oh, gee, well, that was a waste of two days. Uh -uh. Celebrate the fact that you've just seen it again. <gasps> oh, and you had to go through two days of being lost to realize, oh, there's another way. Thank you. Um, I, I love this line from Pema Chodron. I, I, maybe I shared it at the last talk, I forget, where she says, take delight in that which sees the dukkha. Did I mention this last time? No. Take delight in that which sees the dukkha. Don't get caught in the dukkha storm that you're creating, but take delight that there's an awareness that can see it. Oh, it's the same as, oh, I see you, Mara. Oh. And the more you can understand and forgive this one, the more you are able to forgive others around you. They just got lost in their own reality as well. And to learn to forgive, there is such a healing in it. Desmond Tutu has this line that I, I love. He says, um, forgiveness is the highest form of self-interest. I need to forgive so that my own anger and lust for revenge does not corrode my own being. You are the one that is, um, that is hurt and, and, and hurting yourself when you're um, embittered in anger. And so it's a healing to forgive, but it's also not something that you can hurry up. And there might be times where you're not ready to forgive, to, to be just where you are. Because if you're not ready to forgive, perhaps there's deep hurt or trauma or um, um, healing that still needs to happen and you aren't quite ready to forgive. Don't get down on yourself. That's when you turn the forgiveness towards yourself. I forgive myself for being just where I am. And even the thought, I wish I could forgive, that's a start. Because it's actually a very wholesome wish 
You know, I'm just not there. I really wish I could. There's something wholesome in that. Can you see it? That, that if I was able to, I'd want this heart to open. It's just not ready. But don't miss out on the wholesomeness of that intention, and that vision. Feel good about that. So this is opening even to the places that are not ready to open. Okay. So forgiveness. Patience is another aspect of, of opening. And Sally, I know, spoke about patience um, uh, in her talk. And this is something you, you can't overstress. Every moment has a natural unfolding and you can't hurry it along. And the more you are waiting for things to pass, you know, well, they said it was going to pass, they said everything changes, let's get on with it. Okay. The more you are not able to be here in this moment, the more contraction you have. The, how could it be anything other than dukkha? And it's so interesting how we somehow think, if I could only hurry it up, come on, let's go, and thinking that's going to help the situation, when by definition, it's dukkha. Because this moment is the one that's here now. And you can't jump past it. Here's a little exercise that I... I find very, uh, very useful. Some of you have uh, done this with me. Just imagine something that you're looking forward to a lot, like the next really clear sitting, you know, or the end of the retreat, yeah. <laughs> uh, or lunch, the lunch that you're waiting for, that you're hoping they'll serve. So, or being with somebody that you really uh, are, um, are wanting to connect with. Okay, so just imagine um, that it's out there in the future and it's just beyond your reach. And if you can reach it and touch it, you'll have instant gratification. Okay, that life will grant you just what you want. Okay, so now play along with me on this and keep your butt on the cushion or the chair or the bench and I'd like you to imagine that's right out there and I'd like you to go for it and reach for it. Come on, if you really want it, real, really, you'll get it. Go for it and now notice how this feels. Just, be, just stay there for a moment. Notice how this feels and now very slowly come back to center in this moment. Can you feel the difference? This is really a drag. <laughs> as tantalizing as it is, it's off balance, it's not enoughness, and this is where peace is found. So this is another aspect of opening to experience to just let this moment be enough. How simple, how elusive, 
Oh, I just can't wait. Oh. And we can spend countless mind moments thinking about the future. And I'm all for planning. We planned this retreat a year ago and it's, my calendar is kind of silly when I look at it sometimes. But I don't know what's going to happen and I'm not, at least as far as the calendar, living in, gosh, I wonder about that retreat next December. And uh, it's there and when it comes, it'll come. But to dwell on the future is really to um, take yourself out of the present and again, uh, create more contraction for yourself. So, forgiveness, patience. Another aspect of opening is, um, or another support for opening is having a sense of humor really helps. As, uh, as Wavy Gravy says, uh, 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 if you can't laugh, it's just not funny. <laughs> <laughs> and as I'm sure you know, it can get very serious. I think later on in the retreat, I'll, I'll talk more about about joy and uh, and and opening with with a, a lightness of heart, but for now, just to know that this is really weird stuff, you know. Looking at the mind and looking at our experience for a month, and it can be so humbling. And it's really a hoot when you think about it. Wow. If you can shift from, oh my goodness, look at this mind, to, wow, look at the mind do its thing. If you can be in on the joke <laughs> instead of the butt of the joke, makes all the difference in the world. And so to really be, uh, let there be a playfulness, and I'm sure you've had moments, uh, how many people find themselves uh, laughing in, in their minds sometimes uh, during, the, during the sitting? Yeah, it, it's, you might think, oh, am I being kind of like a you know, low-level meditator just, the, you know? <laughs> laughing at my mind. Actually, when you have a sense of humor about it, one thing that is happening is you're not taking it personally. Can you see that? When you just say, well, look at the mind. Holy cow, you know. You're not beating yourself up. You're just, you're seeing, oh wow, how insane this mind is. And you can laugh at it. It's so, it's a profound uh, understanding and attitude, you know. And certainly I'm not saying just, just keep on telling your jokes all the, yourself jokes all the time and just laugh at everything. There are times for deep sadness or deep grief or deep uh, allowing for the hurt. But 
if you've got a choice between screaming at this crazy mind and laughing at it, go for the latter. Sometimes I've, I, I have an agreement with myself and I'll hear, I'll have like a devil and angel on my shoulder. You know, that if I really am getting stuck, I have an agreement that I'll smile and go into the bathroom or look in a mirror and put a big toothy grin on my face. Go ahead, try it right now. Put a big, especially if you don't feel like it, put a big <laughs> toothy stupid grin on your face right now. It's hard to stay depressed. Isn't it? Because physiologically, your body is, is getting a sense, oh, lighten up, right? And so I'll have this sometimes, you know, getting pretty serious. <clears throat> you said you'd smile. Yeah, but I don't feel like smiling. You know? <laughs> but you said you'd smile. But all right already. And I'll go in, I'll just go like that. <laughs> I like the whole thing will, will just break, you know, the whole spell. And I, actually, I, I, I've shared this story. Some of you heard, I'll share it again. Uh, not everybody has. On one retreat, I, I had, uh, I, as I often do, and some people have mentioned it in, in uh, interviews, I often have a jukebox going through my head, songs that I can't get out of my head. Like, sometimes I think of, I'd make like a five CD boxed set of songs that I can't get out of my head over the years. And on this one, one retreat, it was uh, one of my first three month retreats, I, um, I had this song from Bob Dylan's, um, I was a huge Bob Dylan fan, from Bob Dylan's most brilliant depressive period. Uh, <laughs> If, if you know old Bob Dylan, it's, uh, it was from Blonde on Blonde, uh, the song Visions of Johanna. Right? And here I was uh, on this retreat, and the, 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 the first verse goes, Ain't it just like the night to play tricks while we're trying to be so quiet? We're sitting here stranded, though we're all doing our best to deny it. This is on a three-month retreat. And this verse went on and on for one solid week. We're sitting here stranded, though we're all doing our best to deny it. And I was going down and down and down. Magically, after a week, the needle, it was the days of vinyl in my mind, jumped to a the, the later verse, third verse in the song that starts off, Oh, little boy lost, he takes himself so seriously. <laughs> the sky opened up and it was like, thank goodness, that's what's happening. I am getting really serious here. And it broke and in a moment I saw, wow, just chill 
take it lighter. And then the song switched to one of the, my all-time great songs. If this is stuck in your head, it's a good one to get stuck in your head. Take It Easy by the Eagles, Jackson Brown, that goes, take it easy, take it easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. Lighten up while you still can. I replayed that line, lighten up while you still can for the rest of the retreat. <laughs> and it was just, you know, clear sailing into the sunset um, with a little ups and downs. But it was so powerful to see how, as I was saying to somebody uh, the other day on, on an interview, the mind is like silly putty. You can, you can shape it in so many different ways and you can um, invite a particular perspective, lighten up while you still can. And if you aren't aware of it, what you're at the mercy of are the thoughts that are going through and that are, that are stuck there. So having a sense of humor is another way to open to experience. A third, another way, is uh, when things are really tight or really tough, if you can be mindful, if you can open to ex your experience mindfully, that's of course the primary strategy. And so we offered in working with the hindrances, we offered rain um, where you are, if you've got a difficult emotion or a hindrance, Okay, just recognize what you're feeling. Allow it to be here. This is the, the allow of opening to our experience. Investigate it. Explore. What am I feeling right now? And the end, non-identify, not taking it personally. That's the first strategy. And there's something very profound just in that allow here, actually. I pulled something up off uh, a poem I wanted to read. This is Allow by Dana Falls. There's no controlling life. Try corralling a lightning bolt or containing a tornado. Dam a stream and it will create a new channel Resist and the tide will sweep you off your feet. Allow and grace will carry you to higher ground. The only safety lies in letting it all in. The wild and the weak, fear, fantasies, failures and success. When loss rips off the doors of the heart or sadness veils your vision with despair, Practice becomes simply bearing the truth. In the choice to let go of your known way of being, the whole world is revealed to your new eyes. Allow by Dana Falls. So that is, an, is what we're doing, as I said, in the moment that we're mindful, even of the difficult, oh, just allowing for a little while, for, for a chunk of time for it to be here. But it's important to understand something, as I said early in the talk, it's not always the way to just open your heart 
to it all, especially if it seems like it's overwhelming or you're not ready for it. So this is where it's important to know your limits and know what you can handle and stay balanced. You know, it was, I think it was one of the questions uh, this morning uh, or in the last couple of days. How do you know when, when it's enough or when it's too much? And for me, the, the guideline is, is there a struggle happening is, is, am I struggling to stay with the moment? Or can I bring a sense of uh, centeredness and curiosity to it? If it's a struggle or if it feels like it's overwhelming, that's too much. And so it can be helpful whether it's a, an emotional pain or a physical pain to just do it for a manageable chunk of time you know, make a little contract with yourself. Okay, for the next minute, let's feel this. Or half minute. Let's just see. And then there's always the chance to step back. If you're able to be with it and you're curious and it's interesting, there's a tremendous quality of confidence that can, um, that can be gained. But when it's too much it's important to know, oh, okay, time to back off. I've pl I'm playing my edge and now I'm getting a little bit spun out. Then it's time to, uh, as, as is said um, uh, in somatic experiencing, uh, a very helpful uh, modality in working with trauma, uh, time to resource yourself. You can always just come back and feel your body sitting here. Or you can always uh, just be with the breath and take a few deeper breaths. Or you can just open your eyes and look around and stop needing to, uh, to be with the experience. Or you can go for a cup of tea or go for a walk. Not to escape, but to skillfully find some balance again. Or going back and forth, even within the sitting. Okay, I'll touch it a little bit and then it's a bit much. And so you go back and forth like that. So it's part of learning to open is learning when you've reached your limit and to really take care of yourself. <clears throat> that requires being really honest with yourself and not following some kind of ideal of a good meditator does it like this. Because a good meditator knows how to approach the moment open to it with balance. And whatever your need is to gain balance is skillful in that moment. It's kind of like riding a bicycle. It's not like, oh, I'm supposed to stay this centered and that'll keep me still and that'll keep me upright. No, it's a continual adjustment in, uh, in whatever needs to bring about some balance. And the Buddha recommended this as well in one discourse um, the, that's um, his, got a little cramp here. Um, that's what's happening. Uh, that, <laughs> that he, 
uh, he recommended a number of different um, strategies for dealing with um, distracting thoughts. And one of those strategies um, is uh, generally referred to as forgetfulness and inattention. This is the Buddha talking. He says, sometimes it's not so skillful to stay with something as it is. I'm going to put my, my foot out here. Um, this is kind of comfortable. <laughs> I should do this more. Um, that you don't have to stay with your experience. And sometimes it's not appropriate to stay with your experience. When it gets to be overwhelming, too much, you can't be balanced, he says, turn your attention elsewhere. If you're having, say, a pain that's persisting and you're getting really tired, your mind gets withered, as I've, I've uh, read it in, uh, in one of the teachings, or fatigued, it's not going to be beneficial to just stay with it. Oh, time to just take a break. Open up to sounds. Open up to, uh, to just relaxing and not doing. Open up to noticing some part of your body where uh, it's not hurting. Um, but it's important to see, oh, this can be a skillful turning of my attention to somewhere that's a bit more uh, balancing and, uh, and connecting. So to know your limits and know when it's not the most skillful thing to, uh, to open. Okay, so that means that you've got to really listen to yourself. And this is one, uh, one way to think of the, the, the whole art of meditation, learning how to listen to the truth inside. Forget about all your ideas about what you're supposed to do and just listen inside. What do I need right now? What do I need in this moment to open to my experience? I talked a little bit about it when I, when I was talking about uh, wise effort. Sometimes it might mean, oh, I need to really um, rev up the intention and my commitment. And sometimes it might mean I need to just relax a bit more. It's too tight here. So it's not like there's one right amount. But it does mean that you're moving from figuring out to listening inside for the truth right within you. One of the, the archetypes that um, I love that represents the, this aspect of, of practice is that of uh, Milarepa, the, um, uh, the great yogi. Did I, did I mention this? No. Uh, I can never remember what I said, so, um, or where I said it. So if you're familiar with uh, Milarepa, uh, on the Tibetan, uh, he's the, the great Tibetan um, fierce yogi uh, who sat in caves and turned green from eating nettles and uh, he was a heavy duty yogi. Uh, but you can always tell it's Milarepa because he has his hand to his ear, listening 
to the songs of the Dharma, the hundred thousand songs, Dharma songs of Milarepa. And if his if the hand is the oh that's that's Milarepa. This is, I think, a really uh, great um, depiction of what we're learning to do here. We're learning to listen to the truth. The truth in this moment, oh, here's a sound. Here's the breath. Here's awareness that sees. Here's a thought. Here's an emotion. We're learning to listen to the truth in this moment and more and more we get um, skilled at learning to the tr- listen to the truth that's right inside of us. And we know when we're in touch with it. This is another really valuable aspect of opening, learning how to open to the truth that's right inside of us. So many different messages and voices that, that come through. How do you know which one to listen to? There's a real art in learning how to listen to the truth. How do you know, we can just take a moment, how do you know when the message that's coming through is the truth? Any, any comments? You can just take a few. Yes. There's a sense of ease in my stomach. Excellent. I'm not looking for one right answer. How do you know when, you've, when you hear the truth? Yeah. If I think I know, I know I don't know. If I think I know, I know I don't know. Okay. <laughs> that can get a little tricky. Because <laughs> at some point, you have to know or have to be clear that you know. From the thinking mind, okay. If it's a if it's thinking, okay, all right. So how do you know when you do know? <laughs> There's a felt sense, and for you, what would that? How would you describe a felt sense? Um, it's clear, solid, grounded. Clear, solid. What was the last one? Grounded. grounded. Uh huh. Anybody else? Uh, a lot of times when, when it's the truth, you just hear it once and you know. And if it's not, it's just it's ruminating, going on and on. Mm-hmm. And what's the tone of voice that comes through? Mm. Calmer. Calmer. Powerful. More powerful, yeah. So it's something that you might just check out for yourself. How do you know? And I'll, I'll just give you a couple of uh, tips that you might include in the exploration. If the thoughts are coming through with a finger wag that says, you better not blow it, or an agitation that says, you need this to happen, if there's a contraction, chances are that's the voice of fear or the voice of confusion and unclarity. If it's, if it's a voice that comes through with calm or kindness or support, 
that's aligned. You can feel it, you can hear it, and you can feel it in your body too. Again, there's that openness, that ease, that alignment. And so to really listen, not so much figure out, but listen to the truth. I was sharing this with somebody uh, today in an interview. Uh, I want to give you a little transmission that I received last year. When uh, um, my wife and I visited Ramdas, uh, who's been a, a mentor and, and teacher and uh, inspiration for me for m- many years, and uh, who kind of got me into this whole thing, and um, and I um, we I was talking about some issue and explaining to him my stand and was I right and. Uh, or how to how to address this, and uh, and Ramdas is, I think I mentioned or you know he he had a stroke a number of years ago, so his his um, he's very economical with his words, but as wise and bright as as ever, and he looked at me and he said, you know it's really very simple. You need to make the journey from here to here. And as soon as he said it, I said, oh, of course. Can we do that again? (laughs) And we did it a few times until it got anchored in in my being. Going from here, the figuring out mode, to here, the listening for the truth, listening, not figuring out, ah, this is taking refuge in the Buddha. I'd like you to do this with me. Go from here, just notice, get a sense, not to throw away the discriminating mind, but to go from those times where we're caught in in the spin cycle, as I call it, in our minds, go from here and then go down to here and feel the difference. Again, from here, you can simply make the journey down to here and see if you can feel the alignment. One last time, here, down to here. Just notice the difference, how good that, how connected that feels. And only you know what the truth is for you to trust your own deepest experience. This is a very profound level of opening to the truth because we're learning to listen to it, not being the clever one that can figure everything out. And then I'll share one last aspect of opening. And this is when things also get to be a bit too much and it's not possible to just stay mindful with your experience, but to learn to hold it, to learn to hold it all. 
because there's a place in us, the awareness can hold it all, and particularly the compassionate awareness can hold it all. So this is another dimension of holding and opening when it seems like it's a bit overwhelming or too much. Just learning to comfort yourself. And this is a a self-compassion break that Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer, who uh, put together the mindful self-compassion approach, they're both practitioners, and just a very simple package for holding our our experience when it gets to be too much. A very valuable aspect of learning to open, ah, to learn to hold. So very simply, the way I do it, a few different steps. First, putting your hand on your heart. And this physiologically releases oxytocin and calms the whole system. Just If you didn't do anything else, this is really the essence of it. Going through a hard time, oh, wow. And you can comfort yourself. And then they recommend uh, three different reflections. And I'll I'll put them on the board so, uh, uh, so you can see. And you can use your own variation. First reflection, oh, this is a moment of suffering. Or this is hard right now. And just acknowledging it. Oh. Second reflection. Oh, suffering is a part of life. And you might think of all the people in the world who are going through what you're going through right now. This is just part of your shared humanity and including yourself in there too. Oh yeah, this is part of life. And the third, may I hold my suffering with kindness. That's simple. Just kind of reminding yourself that you can bring kindness to this moment. Just once again, this is a moment of suffering. (coughs) Suffering or this is part of life. May I hold my suffering with kindness. But if you don't remember all of those, just putting your hand on your heart is enough. And you are both the one receiving the comfort and also the one giving the comfort. This is coming into wholeness. So this is a very important aspect in opening to experience, knowing when to hold it all instead of trying to uh, stretch things beyond what you need. It's really just listening to yourself and listening to what will help you best not contract with your mind, but hold with a a very kind, wise awareness. Okay, so um, forgiveness, patience, sense of humor, compassion, 
you know, mindful, allowing, compassion. All of these are really the expression of the kind awareness that we're cultivating in every single moment. All so we can not only open up to the moment, but wake up to life and wake up to all the wisdom and love that's been in here all along that you're cultivating one moment at a time. So let's sit for just a moment. Thank you very much for your attention. <clears throat> Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.